welcome to the Corner Booth with Chris and Barry. I'm Chris Tripoli, hosting with my friend Barry Schuster, the editor of Restaurant Startup and Growth Magazine. How you doing, Barry? I'm doing great, Chris. Thanks a lot. I'm really looking forward to talking to our guests today. They're going to tell us a story how they went from restaurant dreamer to successful restaurant operator. We're going to find out how they did it and more importantly, why they did it. And I'd like to give a special shout out to companies that support the independent restaurant operator, like today's sponsor, ARF Financial. They support uh, restaurants by providing financing, whether you need operational stability, you're ready to expand, you just want to upgrade equipment or renovate something, and more. They've been doing this since 2001. They've been helping uh, independent operators get money and they're good people. Check them out. They need to keep it going. If you're a listener and you'd like to learn a little bit more about their funding and how it might help you, just go to their website, arffinancial.com. So welcome to the Corner Booth. Grab a seat, get a drink, and listen in. So Chris, uh, um, here we are and uh, doing our first podcast. And uh, so... um, what are we going to be talking about today? I'm so excited. I am. I'm so excited that we're finally doing this. This is a good series uh, to promote the entrepreneurship uh, of, of restaurants. I'm happy to be co-hosting with you. I think that the listeners are going to get a lot of good practical tidbits from the stories that today's guest is going to be able to share. I'd like to introduce Jackie Spigner of Sycamore Cafe, Sycamore Grounds, uh, Sycamoreville, and, and uh, learn about about her story from concepting to developing a multi-concept company that she currently manages right here uh, in Pasadena, Texas. Welcome, Jackie. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I think this is a great concept y'all have started. Well, that's great. Um, We were talking offline before we got in the recording booth here, and uh, uh, Jackie's got a pretty um, amazing story here. Chris, let's talk about some of the larger issues here in relation to, um, you know, Jackie's background. Uh, is is she kind of a purple squirrel in, in terms of being a very unique person coming to the industry from a construction background and deciding that uh, for whatever reason she was going to get into this? And we're going to talk to her about that. She's going to tell us a little bit about how she got into this business. Or you, in your consulting practice, did you run into a lot of other people, you know, smart business people said, I'm going to be in the restaurant industry and, uh, and then just go for it? You know, that's a very good point, Barry. I do. I think there's probably some listeners today, and that's one of the things they're going to be listening for, is how can they leave what they're currently doing and follow their interest, which is getting into their very first restaurant concept. Um, It's very common, I think, for people who have had, say, success in other businesses, but then, for one reason or another, choose to take that success and adapt it towards uh, hospitality. Well, I really want to hear from Jackie. Uh, that's why we're here. I'm looking forward to, to uh, hearing her perspectives and stories. Well, Jackie and I have known each other for a while, haven't we now? I think you were in one of the initial classes on So You Want to Open a Restaurant, and maybe you might want to start with that. What, what drew you to wanting to learn about the industry? Where did you go to learn um, and to give you the confidence to leave what you were doing and to jump into this one? Well, like you said, I had no experience whatsoever in the restaurant business and had decided I was going to do this. Um, I was going to build Silver Sycamore as a tea room and um, do a reception hall also, but not knowing ever, not working in a restaurant or anything, I I knew I had to get some kind of um, knowledge and and actually going through the newspaper i found where you were going to be offering this class start so you want to open a restaurant yeah yeah (laughs) and i did so so i took the class and it was fabulous and then got the magazine and and read the magazine over and over um just every issue that came out trying to learn as much as i could about um opening a restaurant well those were good sources restaurant startup and growth magazine and along with restaurantowner.com i know are very helpful were helpful to you and are very helpful to people out there as good resources to use over and over again in order to stay current on things and how to do all of the things necessary so okay so then you jumped in and you got started tell us about the first concept 
Um, so the first concept was going to be a tea room and with our reception hall. So um, starting out just for lunch, um, it was going to be Tuesday through Saturday. So, you know, only five days for lunch only. Um, you know, it was it's in a small little house that was built in the 30s. We restored that thing, remodeled it to where it it was really a, a quaint little restaurant and um, started off doing that. Immediately dealt with the issues of employees and menus and customers and just everything that goes into it that is always a big surprise. Well, let's start with that because this tea room sort of morphed into other things. Uh, more hours, more menu. Um, it's, what, been 14, almost 15 years of success. Yes. Mm -hmm. So maybe you could uh, share with us how you learned from the customer, how you modified the concept into how it became so relevant for that neighborhood today. I guess in starting the business, I thought, well, you know, I'm, I've run a construction business for 25 years, so as long as you know how to run a business, you're going to be okay jumping over into the restaurant business, which is totally different. Um, and so we you know, we started off by just having the tea room and, and then realized that after a couple of years that we needed to change the menu. We had to constantly be thinking about what the what the clientele wanted. And um, then, of course, looking at cash flow, do, did I need to open up longer hours? Um, did I need to change it from a tea room to a cafe, which I found I needed to just to continue with that cash flow that you got to have to have more clientele. And um, um, and then opening for breakfast hours too. We have a bed and breakfast on site, so I just kind of figured, well, if we're gonna be open um, to make breakfast for our B&B customers, I might as well open for breakfast, and that has been a, a great success for us too. So Jackie, um, one thing that really interests me is you're coming into this uh, not in the, from the restaurant business, and you've chosen the concept as a tea room, and, and I'm fascinated why, you know, what was the motivation for that particular concept to start out? I mean, you see operators, well, they want an Italian restaurant because they grew up cooking Italian food with their their family or an Argentinian steakhouse because their wife is from Argentina. I have to believe you had some real motivation for doing that particular thing um, rather than just kind of just throwing a dart at a dartboard. Yeah, um, and, and honestly, I had never even been to a tea room before. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> no restaurant experience, no tea room experience. Um, but girl. You know, <laughs> yeah, I, I just like difficult things. Um, you know, I just, um, I, I really love um, good food. I love etiquette. I don't know. And I, and I was going to have the reception hall where we were going to do weddings. So I needed something that would tie into it. So mm. at first I thought, oh, I could do like a antique shop. But then, and at that point, tea rooms were pretty popular. And so I thought, well, you know, I could just do tea room and, and that would kind of tie in with the, you know, bridal showers or baby showers or anything like that, the cutesy kind of quaint and that's why I went towards a tea room. And also I knew I didn't want to be open all the time as far as evenings because of the actual being able to have weddings and events in the evenings too. So if I'm hearing you correctly, um, the food, the restaurant concept was to tie in with a larger uh, vision of having some kind of event uh, space. That's right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what I'm hearing are two important facts there. You are uncertain of what to do, but the tea room, because of your personal interest, food, etiquette, and also what was on trend at the time, that's good. And then the exactly. other point that I'm hearing is that the reason it morphed, expanded hours, expanded menu, was because that's how the customers took you. You were reacting to guest needs. Very mm -hmm. good points, especially coming from someone who has said that she's had absolutely no experience running a restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> so coming out of uh, the construction business, what things did you bring into it from your experience there that were really helpful? And what things kind of took you off guard when you finally got into the business and go, hmm, I wish I kind of knew a little bit more about that before I went down this road? Yeah. Well, I, I always say the things that helped me from the construction to the restaurant businesses. Um, I, I was an interior designer, so I, I do believe plating and making sure your the food looking nice on the plate and all is 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 important and I think that tied in with it and also of course the design of the um, atmosphere and the building and all that was um, definitely helpful. 
I will say the with construction having to do the scheduling for big construction jobs that we did and keeping them on schedule and all just ties right in with the restaurant and keeping your staff on schedule and making sure that the food's going out quickly all of that really ties in and kind of the back of your mind to running a restaurant too things that i probably didn't realize is how difficult it is uh, running a restaurant and um, the profit margin and all that it, it's totally different than the construction i would imagine yeah, I would imagine that those were the, the, the two key items. The idea of attention to detail and focus coming from construction makes total sense. The ability to have that eye for detail with your design background, gosh, that's wonderful execution for the independent operator to, 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 to believe in and focus on. But yeah, the tightness of the profit margins and the handling of the staff. I would imagine there was a yeah. tremendous difference, don't you think, between the supervision of subcontractors and I, the handling of staff? I was going to say the opposite. From my understanding is that uh, working in the construction trade, there are some very unusual um, issues there. And in, in our market, and I, I want to hear Jackie's perspective on this, um, one of the restaurant operators complained about the lack of, of good labor. and. Uh, young kids aren't going into the trades anymore, so um, sometimes there can be a shortage of uh, good tradesmen. But uh, is there any, was there any crossover there in terms of being able to manage uh, uh, construction crews and managing people who work in the front or the back of the house in your operation? You know, with the construction crews, most of them are subcontractors. Mm -hmm. And so they're, I mean, they have to do a certain thing to get paid, which I know it kind of doesn't make sense with employees, they do too, but um, you know, with employees, you, you're dealing with their day-to-day -day constantly, um, in things they're bringing in, emotions they're bringing in, um, moodiness they could be bringing in, happy, joy, whatever, mm -hmm. whereas you don't build that relationship with subcontractors um, because you're not seeing them day to day. And I would imagine one of the successful things with restaurants is your ability to do that cross training. Uh, you probably don't see a lot of that in all those years of construction. Where, uh, right. Yeah, mm -hmm. where staff were going, say, from electrical to plumbing jobs. But <laughs> right. here, successful independent operators have to be able to master that culture of building a team. And part of that building a team means that people are able to do multiple things and mm -hmm. help each other and they, they normally stay longer. Is that the case that you've been finding? Yeah, you know, the, the cross training is very important, especially if you're a very small restaurant. You know, it's, it's very important that everybody kind of pitches in to do whatever they um, can. And, and I have found through the years, culture is huge. And, and to building a really good company culture, um, almost that family-like company culture is very, very important. And um, I'm real excited about our culture of our, our business. I think we have a fabulous company culture. How, how, do, you, um, how do you build culture and maintain culture? Because um, Chris and I, I mean, you're preaching to the choir here. We believe that that's critical to be successful. But you know, you're doing this in your operation. What, what, what things do you do to make sure that the culture that you envision is being carried out through the house? Um, tell a little bit more about that. Well, I'm, I'm real big on our, our biggest asset are our employees. Mm -hmm. that, that is your biggest asset because they, they can make or break your business. Mm -hmm. You can have a, a chef that doesn't take care of you. You could have a waitress that doesn't take care of the customers and, and it can break your business. So if you're, you know, if you're really putting into your employees and, and your employees feel like they have ownership in what they're doing um, and you're all sharing it, I, I will tell everybody when I'm interviewing people for jobs, I don't care what position you are in. If you're disrespectful to others, other employees um, of the business, I, I don't want you there. And I, I will, I, I have gotten rid of many people that are disrespectful. I don't believe a, a chef should be screaming at waitresses or um, it, I don't want somebody coming to work going, oh God, I don't want to go in there. You know, they're, they yell at me every time. Um, so our, our culture is that we just are working, everybody works at, um, you know, helping each other out. And then we also are, paying attention to what's in their life and what's important to them. And we set goals on, we have weekly meetings and they have monthly goals and we visit how they're doing on their monthly goals. And, and just, they're more 
people than they are employees. Mm -hmm. Gosh, that's a wonderful principle. Uh, that's a people first principle. And um, I'd love to see more of that in small developing companies. Probably one of the reasons why you've been able to develop well um, is because you're practicing that principle. Could you spend a couple minutes and explain to the listeners how you have developed now over 14 years from the tea room that became the cafe. As I understand it now, you've got multiple concepts on property and even another brand that's doing coffee. Yes. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we went from a tea room and of course started to um, open up more hours and turned it into a regular cafe that we serve breakfast and lunch and brunch. We have our reception venue where we can have weddings and corporate events and um, company picnics and any type of um, entertainment or event you would like to do have. Um, we have our bed and breakfast on site where we have eight rooms now, um, can sleep 16 to 20 people. And then our, um, we added a, um, another brand, which is our Sycamore Grounds Coffee. And we have two, two coffee shops. And so they kind of do help each other out because my pastry chef for the restaurant is also the pastry chef for the Sycamore Grounds Coffee House. Um, and we have two locations for that. And then finally, we have our Sycamoreville, which is our little Western town that we built in the back. And um, it has a hotel saloon, it has a chapel, it has a jail. The jail is where our grooms get ready for weddings. <laughs> Somewhat appropriate, appropriate. Yeah. We start them out in bondage <laughs> yeah, right away. Exactly. Um, <laughs> anyway, I know that's terrible. <laughs> but, um, but it is a totally, you know, working little Western town, and we call it Sycamoreville. And like when brides and couples get married, they, we rename the town. And so if their last name is Smith, it becomes Smithville. Or, or you know, we've had companies and changed the name to their company name and all that. So um, it definitely in 14 years has gone from a little tea room to this huge, massive concept. Hey, Barry, I think you should maybe plan sort of a, a, a new ceremony so that you and your wife can maybe redo your vows just so that we can have a Schuster time. Yes, yeah, yeah, so and she would like to see me in jail. <laughs> <laughs> Or we behind have, bars. Yeah, we do have bars on the window. Right. So. <laughs> captivated. That's captive <laughs> and captivated, of course. Mm -hmm. um, so you've taken this brand and you've expanded it into a number of different types of uh, businesses, events, banquets, I suppose. You have a restaurant now. You have uh, kind of a lodging, I mean, a bed and breakfast. How do you keep true to that brand uh, and, and in terms of uh, communicating it to the market? Because it, it's, it's fascinating to me, but it's complex because depending on what I'm looking at, oh, are they a uh, wedding planning company? Are they a bed and breakfast? Are they a restaurant? How do you integrate that into your marketing? Oh, that, that is a big, was a big, big deal. And um, my marketing director has hammered that into me over and over that each one is so separate but we've got to bring them together and so each one does even have its own little website but they all will come together in a main website too but the fact that you can you know eat at the restaurant and then get married there and spend the night there or you know so they all do tie together um i say it's kind of like having a Disneyland and how every there's so many different parts of it, but they're still one big business. So, um, would you say that the the wedding business feeds into your dining restaurant and vice versa? Um, is there is there a lot of cross promotion there where each part of the brand is helping the other part grow? Um, and, and and tell me how that how that works. Oh, definitely. They we do cross promote with each other. Um, you know, people will come to the restaurant to eat, and of course they'll see the Western Town in the back. And after eating, then they'll walk back there and walk around, and then they'll come in the office and what do y'all do here? You know. Um, and or they'll you know come to a wedding or a corporate event and I've I've had corporate corporate picnics and they're out there like employees are out there and like oh we're getting married I want to see the chapel and and then they actually booked weddings so um, or you know they're like I said they go to a wedding and they'll say you got a restaurant there and so they'll do that or spend the night from events um, and then of course the the uh, coffee shops, we market over at the coffee shops. Hey, don't forget that we've gotten many weddings from people going to the coffee shop and our employees because our employees are, you know, taught we've got to 
talk about everything we do and they tell them about the wedding facility and we've gotten weddings from people going to the coffee house. Chris, this type of diversification in branding and concepts, um, from your perspective, is this, is this something we're going to see more of as a business model or a strategy for sustainability, and at least in terms of the business? Absolutely. Uh, I think that there is a, and that's a tremendous advantage, I think, that independents have today over chains. And that is uh, they can follow their passion from one concept and then allow that concept to help them build into, say, uh, a different concept, but where where they still kind of tie in and can help support one another, whether it's the restaurant that then goes into catering or whether it's one restaurant that then maybe creates a totally different branded restaurant, but might have some similarities that they can share in operations, admin, and marketing. Uh, it's a tremendous way. And I think one of the things that I see really working here too is this all happens in one community for Silver Sycamore. So there's a tremendous amount of community bonding that maybe you could comment on. I mean, I see that where the coffee houses, in addition to the strong early morning rush to get that cup of joe, turn into sort of the community hangout with your open mic nights and other promotions. And does that then feed interest for people to want to call you later to book events? Yeah, definitely. Because, and we've even, I, I just recently hired a, a community events director and, and that kind of goes with how you, you know, you keep expanding and, and bringing on more employees to help build the business bigger, you know. Um, but we're doing that because I, I do want to have more community events and and we do the open mic at the at the coffee shops and like we're having a fall festival festival and we've done a holiday market where we have like 80 to 100 vendors and and um, then we're working on a hometown holiday lights series and uh, for the Christmas time. Um, but they, I mean, they cross market each other. So, you know, we can put marketing at one place and, and about the other place. So it's definitely wonderful to be able to use both places to, to uh, market it. I think there might be many listeners out there that as an independent operator might see their future uh, being a lot like this. They might have other ideas. Um, so maybe you, we could leave marketing for a moment and walk into how this type of growth has impacted operations. Uh, how has your role as the owner-operator changed from the very first restaurant and what your role was then to now where you're sort of the master of multiple concepts? Yeah, boy, it's really changed. So um, one thing that is a lesson for everybody is that you have to take off hats because in the beginning I, I, was, I didn't plan on being the chef and and running everything and all and coordinating i didn't plan on that in the beginning i really thought i was going to have um, lead people that would take care of that and i will say this business is all consuming and 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 i think you want that control because i, I don't know it's it's a delicate business and the fact that you're you know giving people food service and taking care of events and all and and so you do have to have control um, but having too much control or trying to take too much control can hurt, can hurt a business and can keep you from growing. And in the beginning, I, I did. I was the chef for about eight years and um, still did the coordinating and the sales and the accounting and all that. And when I finally said, man, I have got to, I can't grow this thing because I'm doing way too many things. And I started taking off hats and saying, okay, I know I can find a chef that can cook like I can. And or I know I can find a coordinator to help me and then start hiring those people. All of a sudden, the business started growing. That, that's, uh, I love what you're saying. Uh, restaurant Startup and Growth and RestaurantNerd.com. And, of course, Chris is a proponent of this uh, idea of working on the business, not in the business. If I'm hearing you correctly, it sounds like in some ways you created a job for yourself up front. But the real growth happened when you step back and actually work on the business. Am I, am I getting it? Oh, a hundred percent. And so I've, I've been that way for quite some time now that I'm working on the business. There's a few hats that I keep on cause I, I just love, you know, I, I do like coordinating, but I have other coordinators that can work with me, but I, I like running the business and seeing what I can do to make it grow. And if I'm, if I'm in the kitchen cooking, 
or if I'm just coordinating or doing sales only, I can't look at other avenues to grow the business and expand the business. But I got to imagine you spend some time on the floor talking to guests and talking to your employees and keeping a keeping your finger on the pulse of what's going on in addition to stepping back and looking at the marketing, the finance, the operations. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. Yeah. We have weekly meetings. Um, we have monthly meetings with our baristas. So, yes, 100 percent. Who's your competition? Um, Do you have gosh, competition? <laughs> yes, I have competition, but we're so unique. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, who has a Western town, right? right? <laughs> you know, but no, I mean, there is a lot of competition. Of course, restaurants, there's a lot of competition for the restaurants. Um, bed and breakfast, of, uh, there's no bed and breakfasts in our area. Um, and reception venues, oh my gosh, wedding venues have just, I don't know, they've 100 times increased. It, it's crazy how much. But, you know, we, we really just push our uniqueness and push our value and, you know, push the hometown feel that I want to keep, you know. What's the next step for you? Um, what's your growth strategy from here to uh, just make everything work perfectly and what, what the, with what you have and get more uh, margins and revenue out of that? Or um, do you have a vision for um, the next big thing? Well, I do. I really want to open a, up a couple more coffee shops. You know, we have fabulous coffee and our, our trained, our baristas are, have been trained and, and it's about, you know, our customers and kind of the, like that old cheers, you know, where everybody knows your mm -hmm. name. We, I want that. We want that atmosphere. Same way with the restaurant. So I'd like to do a couple of those. And I want to grow our facility at Sycamoreville and uh, Silver Sycamore into something where people can stay in Pasadena and or people from outside of Pasadena will come to Pasadena because we're putting on events that are fun for um, the whole community. So looking at expanding to more community events and and um, more of a, a destination. I'm seeing a lot of operators who are independents who are passionate about the business like you who um, also decide that they're going to use their visibility and their business to uh, do things to support the community in, in positive ways. They may have some type of uh, cause that's near and dear to them or something that goes on in the community that um, they feel is uh, uh, they would like to um, help and, and build support for. Is, is there anything that you're doing now or you're thinking about doing that, and, and do you feel that that's an important part of being a good citizen as far as a business in your in Pasadena. Um, yeah, definitely. We a, a couple things. You know, I started this in an area. This is in a neighborhood. You mm -hmm. know, and um, we're right off Beltway Eight, but it is in a neighborhood, and so the neighborhood was kind of going down a little bit. So, um, us taking and restoring and refurbishing these old houses in the area, it's really brought up the neighborhood quite a bit. Um, want to continue with that and continue to <clears throat> for people to really see that Pasadena is a great area there's things to do there and to make it to where there's things to do there um, and but also I have um, I have a foundation that we've just started and it's called level the playing field and it's pretty near and dear to my heart and it's um, giving instruments to young kids I think music is really important and um, we're able to get an instrument and give it to a, one, a student in one of the schools, local schools that just can't afford it. Mm -hmm. And so um, we're real excited. We gave a trumpet last year to a young man that really just wasn't in this in a area to be able to get a nice instrument and go further with it. And um, so we're excited about that. And I have something called Buy One, Give One at our uh, restaurant that for every burger you get, you can donate a dollar towards that, mm -hmm. and and that goes towards um, you know getting instruments for our students. So, yeah. that's and, see, and that's just a wonderful lesson, I think, that uh, <clears throat> that restaurants can do a real good job of. First off, the way you're promoting it is a win-win. Uh, people today like doing business with people they like. And so uh, it works for you to come on in, eat more regularly, and if they know that I can order more burgers, but I'm also helping something by eating my burgers here, I, I think it's wonderful. No one can do everything, but everyone can do something. And so that's, that's just one of the points of difference that I think I see in your operation. 
I think another thing, too, that goes back to Barry's earlier point with regard to competition is the fact that it is important for independent operators to know that we're doing something that others are doing. But we just have to have some obvious, distinctive point of difference. Um, and with you, as it's that whole multi-branding around the Sycamoreville, other, you can go to other cafes, but can you go to a cafe that's exactly like yours with the tribute to history, the Wild West, and that's in an old home? Uh, of course, there's plenty of places that people can go for a quick cup of morning joe now. But is there coffee houses that have that cheer sense of community that kind of tie in to bond the community, community for afternoons and evenings? I'm not so certain. So congratulations on that. Keep that Thank going. You. Thank you. What are your operational challenges now? I mean, we know what you want to do next. You've got a coffee house brand to build, and you've got some additional challenges ahead of you with your others. So. Um, if that's what's next for Jackie, let's talk about the how it gets there. What are the, what are your current concerns and what are your challenges that might need to be overcome? Well, um, I think for all people in food services, um, finding the right employees and keeping them because um, it you know the restaurant business, especially for you know something for breakfast and lunch. Um, I, I tell my general manager, because she'll get frustrated at times because we'll have the employees that will stay for a little bit and then they leave. And I have told them, told her over and over that we're a stepping stone for these kids that are you know, baristas or whatever, um, because they're gonna, I mean, this isn't a career for them. They don't have any intentions of making a career as a barista or a waitress or anything like that. And so. Um, if, if we're a stepping stone and we can teach them um, important things in life that you got to be on time and you got to, you know, you, you've got to dress properly and, you, and the etiquette that you have to use and how you communicate with people, if we can teach them that, then, hey, we've done good. So, but she, she gets a little frustrated because, you know, it's always having to find somebody. And I tell her, I don't know if y'all ever heard the old saying, always be selling. I say always be hiring. Mm -hmm. Always be hiring. Always be looking for that person that you see. And wow, that person has a great personality. And so that is definitely a, a challenge. Um, and then, gosh, you know, just trying to, you know, staying relevant is always uh, important, a challenge and everything. Now, in every aspect because you do have to think about what are your customers wanting now how are we going to um, how what changes are we going to make to the property to you know to uh, I don't know accommodate you know more more corporate events or whatever so um, it's it's ever changing I'm always building something doing something my husband hides from me because I'm like <laughs> guess what we're doing now <laughs> So, yeah, it's, it's ever-changing, so. We're bullish on um, independence, obviously. Um, restaurant Startup and Growth, restaurantorder.com. Uh, Chris has been consulting to independence for many, many years. And we like to believe that the time of the independent is really coming right now in terms of being competitive with the change. And um, when you talk about expanding your coffee concept, of course, we can think of some other large brands out there that offer these uh, psychoactive substances that are very popular. <laughs> um, so so uh, tell us about how you as an independent um, provide something that these large successful chains can't and would bring somebody into your coffee um, concept rather than uh, going across town to uh, whatever the uh, Seattle um, brand is offering. <laughs> no names mentioned. No. <laughs> you, you know, one thing we do um, offer, I think, is that it's that hometown feel. You go into, I mean, it's a little 1930s house, and so you, that we restored for it, and you go in there and the atmosphere is totally different. Um, our baristas, I can't, I mean, all my baristas are practically artists. Mm -hmm. I don't know why they are attracted to coffee houses, or, but um, and you know, people enjoy coming in and getting a latte and seeing the um, seeing the latte art that they do, mm -hmm. and and that's unique. I mean, our baristas aren't just pressing a button; mm -hmm. they are actually measuring out, weighing the beans, making sure that they're getting an excellent cup of coffee, and then doing latte art in it and and the guests get excited by seeing that coming in and seeing that. So 
definitely is a totally different, totally different concept. Are they setting up their laptops and hanging out with you oh, for yes. most of the morning? Yes. Yeah. They <laughs> set up the laptops. They, you know, the kids come in there and study, you know, they, cause we got Sanderson, a college close to us. So kids come in there and we'll stay all afternoon studying. And, um, we have outside area that they can go and eat outside. I mean, um, have their coffee outside mm -hmm. too. So it sounds like then you've been successful uh, for many reasons, but in part, when we talk about labor, you seem to be answering uh, the labor issue by always looking to hire. And it sounds like you're looking for compatibility over capability, if I'm getting that right. So can that kind of walk us through training? If you're finding someone and you're attracted to them because of their personality and you think they're a right fit, how do you get them in? How do they get trained? So how do they then help support your existing culture? Right. You know, I, I say, you know, hire on attitude, not on skill. You know, I, I can train you to be a barista. You know, I can't train you to be sweet. And, you know, I can tell you you need to be sweet. But if you're not that personality, it doesn't make any difference. So um, we definitely ha hire on, you know, kindness and attitude and personality and then train. And then we do have a, a good system for onboarding all our employees and letting them um, first understand the concept of what we do and what's our mission and what's important to us and all. And then let them just watch and, and then slowly train them till we feel like they're just ready to go out on their own. Is your training formalized or is it more just... Uh you know watch what we do and and just uh, hang out and and kind of get it or do you have uh, more of a formal approach to uh, uh, training and onboarding your new employees um so that is one thing that we definitely have changed and i think it's really important to make sure you have a, a formalized onboarding and training system because you can go in there and you can put somebody and say hey you just start start you know doing what they're doing watch what they're doing and and if you got somebody that's not doing good mm -hmm. and is training bad and nothing like, you know, bad training bad. Right. And so we do have a set system that we work on that they're trained on. And um, we want to make sure that they're very comfortable before, you know, letting them on their own. Are but, you finding your turnover is becoming uh, less frequent uh, as you develop these systems? Yeah, I think so. I think it's gotten better and better because if you, if you don't train them, and, and I have told this to my uh, manager, you know, if somebody's making a mistake, that's our fault because we haven't trained them right. Mm -hmm. So if they're not they're not upselling properly, or if they're not doing a cleaning or inventory or whatever properly, um, that that's our fault. We haven't we haven't trained properly, and we haven't inspected what we're expecting. And so uh, over and over, I say that over and over, inspect what you expect. Because if, if you're not inspecting it, if you're expecting it and not watching and making sure it's happening correctly, it's, you know, your training's going downhill. Where are you finding these kind, trainable people? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's hard. Believe me, it is, it's very hard, you know. There are, what's, what's crazy is when I put out an ad for a barista, I mean, we get hundreds of people that call. Everybody wants to be a barista, you know. Um, waitresses are a little bit harder to get or or even dishwashers you know so important so important a dishwasher they're difficult to get um, and and it's a difficult job so they don't want to stay very long so just got to always be trying to um, always be trying to look and, and trying to hire people so but you know Barry a couple of things that Jackie's talking about that are just so on point today is that when it comes to the uh, onboarding people are like that. They need to feel welcome. They, I think people react better when there's a sense of structure. But then the other thing I hear you saying that I think is so important too is that um, today's worker doesn't just want to know um, how to do something. Uh, I think they react so much better when they understand why. Mm -hmm. Why is it important? Engage with me. So if you're giving them time to get comfortable, if they're understanding the purpose, the mission, the, the vision you had for the concept, well, then no wonder uh, you might have a little bit more success. That's something we can all do a better job in. Yeah, Simon Sinek, uh, who's really had a big following now, I mean, he is all about the why and the purpose. And everywhere you go, not only the United States, but I was in the United Kingdom this, uh, this summer, and they, they, they just talk about this guy, and it really resonates. Um, that why, that purpose, uh, 
you know, I was sitting in next to you in a short flight from Houston to Dallas, and we we're talking about the restaurant business. And I said, well, you know, give me an elevator talk on your why. Um, uh, what would if I buy you Bloody Mary? What would you tell me? <laughs> <laughs> Assuming you like Bloody Mary. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I, I just my why, and and I feel that's really important. I love listening to Simon Sinek also. Um, but I do feel it's really important, and, and I think even, you know, your baristas or kids that are just working part-time and all that, they, they do want to know what their why is. They want to have a purpose. They, they want to feel like they have a purpose, too, there. Um, I, did a, I did a test on our employees. I had seen this where you list an order from one being the greatest to ten being the least important in your job and what's most important to you. And most employees would think that they're going to say number one is money. And, you know, and I did this, and, and it's shocking. Money comes in fourth or fifth. Mm -hmm. And feeling important and feeling respected and feeling like they have a, a purpose in it is all one, two, three, which is it's crazy. And so if, you are, if your mental attitude towards your employees is, oh, they're just here for the money, well, they're, they're not going to stay with you. Wow, it's beautiful. Very good point. Wow, that's uh, that's that that is something that I think people are beginning to learn is that compensation, although it's necessary and very important, uh, the quality of the work environment, the feeling of uh, belonging, uh, quality of life are equally important. So, uh, again, hats off to you for seeing that. No wonder you're a little more successful in the staff department than some. Wow. It's 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 a never-ending challenge, I'll say that. Can we talk about management? Leaving staff for a moment, how, how's the current management structure? How do you keep them involved, empowered, um, uh, so that they feel like, you know, uh, they're helping you drive your business? So one thing I do is I'm, I'm very, very big on learning and reading and self-development and all that. And so um, each one of our leads, um, they are constantly be, being given from me if, if they aren't finding it themselves, um, things that are uh, relevant to their position. So our manager on leading, you know, I, I just sent her something from Chris Licurdo the other day on, on a really good um, article on leadership and um, just every single one of our management, you know, we have, we have the meetings to make sure um, they're up on where we are. Um, they have, um, you know, they have their own responsibilities that they have to actually report back to me so that they feel, they know that they're going in the right direction. I think just communication is huge huge boy no kidding i think you're right i think we see that now if it's a small very owner active business uh we see successful restaurants doing just that making sure that there's clarity if i'm your manager i really have a clear understanding and that there's consistent communication yeah yeah good for you well, um in terms of your marketing i'm assuming social media plays in plays into it quite a bit um you know, what, what did you learn about social media marketing and, and, you know, what are the best practices that you're finding that are working for you? And are you, have you hired somebody who's dedicated to that or are you sort of sharing that um, responsibility? Yeah, social media, I have learned that I'm not allowed to touch it. <laughs> <laughs> My marketing director told me, you cannot touch anything. Don't, don't say anything. Don't do anything. Let me deal with it. Um, same way with emails. She said, I'm not allowed to touch any of that. I wish somebody would tell me that from our company. <laughs> yeah. So, but hey, it's nice. I don't, I just, I get to read what she writes. So, um, you know, what's really funny is that, um, I guess it was about four years ago is when I hired her. She just kind of said, okay, I'll come in and do just a, you know, part-time couple, you know, a couple days a week and it was going to be 10, 20 hours a week. And I was like, do I really need this position? You know, I don't, golly, I can't pay somebody to deal with social media or whatever. Oh, my gosh, I can't afford not to now. Um, she has taken it, and she just, you know, has expanded it. And I, I don't, it's wonderful. I don't have to deal with it. She, um, it is her position. And I, I don't think any restaurant owner should ever deal with deal with it themselves number one you know you're too you're too close to it mm -hmm. and so when you're getting 
reviews or you're getting comments from people that are maybe hurtful to you, somebody who is, that's their position, that's their job, they mm -hmm. can handle issues like that, they can respond however. Um, and then, you know, they look at a bigger picture. They look at not, you know, we're looking at numbers, we're looking at, you know, uh, reports or whatever, they look at a bigger picture, you know, how do we need to be on social media? What do we need to do with our website? What do we need to do for face-to-face -face marketing? So they look at a much bigger picture. And I, I think um, that 20-hour week has now <clears throat> grown into a full-time position and she probably could use some help too. So um, I think it's very, very important this day and age and, and all the digital um, things that we have to deal with. So Outside of social media, are there any technologies that you're applying in your business that you are particularly impressed with in terms of making life easier for you? Well, of course, we have, for sales, we have a CRM system that, you know, I feel is very important if you truly use it. You Ex know. maybe explain CRM for um, our listeners who aren't uh, familiar with that acronym. Yeah, so this more, you know, your customer retainage management system mm -hmm. so that um, you know, sales coming in, they get put in it. Um, you can document information that's important to it. You can send out emails. You can send out, um, you know, marketing, advertisement, um, whatever. So that's that's really important. Um, we have constant contact to where um, my marketing director can send out weekly. She sends out weekly um, things on our emails on like our specials or events that are going on or anything like that. Um, I don't know what else we have used. I, I think that's about it, really. So that combines then <clears throat> with your community involvement, your in-house promotions. Uh, is there any other, say, support media? I would imagine there's some that you might use to promote events in the at the event center. Yeah, you know, we always we go to the bridal shows and all that. Okay, that's um, appropriate. Yeah, and then on on websites like The Knot and Wedding Wire. Um, where we get our leads from that. So, you know, we got to always have ways to get leads in and um, for, for weddings, uh, sales of weddings and events, corporate events and all that. You know, use LinkedIn too, you know, to, sure. to let the corporate companies know about us mm -hmm. too. And that speaks right on trend with, with uh, success being very specific. You know, the broader style of media just doesn't seem to be very uh, successful anymore with, uh, you know, independent restaurants, but very specific. So you mentioned all of that with being able to stay on top of the customer comments. The idea of repetition, these uh, emails and email blasts are weekly. And then, of course, very specific involvement throughout the community and, and uh, things to promote events. Mm -hmm. Do you have a feel for what that total marketing budget runs as a percentage of sales now? Oh, gosh. I, I know we had looked at um, increasing it to about 8% mm -hmm. um, this last year. I wanted a certain amount of growth. I wanted about 20% growth and, and just did the numbers and, and found that I needed to be having about 8% revenue, 8% um, of uh, our revenue for marketing. So. Mm -hmm. Which is a killer, really. Well, <laughs> you know it? It's a That's killer. That's a little aggressive, but yeah. so was a 20% yeah. jump. So well, you yeah. rock. Mm-hmm. You know, whether we get it, that's that was our budgeting numbers. And, and that's another thing. You know, when you first start out, you don't worry about budgets for the year. I mean, maybe some of the bigger restaurants do, but I didn't. And at first, it was like, okay, I'm just trying to survive here. And then you don't think about that year-end budget and how I'm going to increase and what do I need to do to increase. You know, you're almost just... Um, just going by the seat of your pants, what can we do to, you know, how much money do we have left to advertise for something? And of course now advertising and marketing is totally different than it was 15 years ago, mm -hmm. you know, being in magazines or telephone books or anything uh, like that, you know? Well, <laughs> well that, and I, I believe that would give uh, the independent some advantage because you don't need a big television uh, marketing budget to uh, reach your uh, your prospective uh, guest yeah, base. Sure you know. yeah. Not anymore. So, um, Jackie, one of the things we like to uh, ask you, uh, talking to our listeners who perhaps think about getting into the business, uh, maybe they have a similar background to you or maybe not, um, what uh, pearls of wisdom could you offer someone uh, who is considering uh, going down your path of starting a restaurant, and please don't say don't do it. <laughs> but uh, if if you could, um, if you were going to counsel somebody who is would like to 
uh, do what you're doing? Um, gosh, you know, if they're if they're looking at um, starting up, I would say it's so important to read and to just try to take in as much knowledge as you can, like going to the class or reading the magazines. Just see what you don't know. Um, and, and there's so many things you can get on the internet as far as reading books or podcasts, listening to podcasts or whatever. Um, you have to be open-minded to change. You have to be, uh, willing to stay relevant and thinking about what do I need to do for my customers? What do I need to do for the staff? Um, what changes do I need to do just physically at the restaurant? Um, you know, it's, 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 it's a very difficult business. It's you've got to think about what your personal life is, and mm-hmm. you know, do you have a young family? Do you have, you know, a lot of responsibilities? Because the restaurant business, especially if you're going to be open, you know, all evenings, you could be there every single night. You yeah. know, so there's a there's a lot to consider. I mean, I absolutely love the business. Um, there's nothing like you know serving 200 people at a wedding and and numerous people coming up to y'all and you and saying oh my god the food was fabulous or your staff is wonderful there's nothing like that there's nothing like that feel of people spending the night and saying oh it was so wonderful i heard i heard the roosters in the morning because we live on land you know Mm -hmm. um and giving that joy that people get out of being at our venue the restaurant the venue the b&b there's nothing like that um it's hard work though it's very very hard work and and do enough research and reading and take as many classes seminars as possible to really know what you're getting into well jackie um thank you for uh, sharing your time with us today and, sure. and providing all this insight and and uh, i know chris and i just think what you're doing is amazing and and uh, it sounds a wonderful concept um so uh i just like to uh chris you got any many parting words with a guy who's been uh, consulting businesses like Jackie's for a number of years? I just Well, I just heard in that last comment, you know, for just all of the key items that I think people need to dwell on, that this really is a personal business. And so you're going to get into it because of that uh, satisfaction level. Mm-hmm. I, I love that when you talked about how, you know, it, it, it's tough on the lifestyle. It is. Uh, it's a very time-consuming, risky business. There's no doubt about that. But if you're in it, it's because you love that personal satisfaction when the shift goes well, when the comments on the food go well when the event went well then you know you're in the right business for sure and i think that that's those are excellent candid points to pass out to anybody that's out there today thinking that this might be for them so thank you so much for joining us in the corner booth this is chris triple a and barry schuster saying thanks, and we hope to see you really soon right here at the corner booth. Until then, hey, you operators out there, go make it a good shift.